0: your division 2 champions Grand Valley State Congratulations to the Lakers for the sixth time in program history they are the national champions Grand Valley has its third national championship in 4 years Grand Valley State celebrating a national championship in division 2 Stand for a podcast
1: presented by the Grand Valley Sports Network Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome back to another and kind of the first real edition of the Anchor Up podcast because holy bleep. Sports are back. Today is Thursday, January 14th. We've got GBSU men's basketball assistant coach Taylor Johnson on the show a little bit later to talk about the 2 0 Lakers. We're going to talk about the 2 0 men's and the 2 0 women's teams as we have actual Grand Valley games to break down. I say that one more time. We have actual Grand Valley sporting events to break down. The official sports medicine provider of GBSU Athletics is Metro Health. They're also the Anchor Up podcast sponsor, Your Health, Our Passion, with Metro Health and Tim, not Jake Levy here with you once again. And Tim, I know you're doing a whole lot better now that sports oh, are back at Grand Valley. You're like a kid in a candy store this weekend. How
2: much fun was it to just have events now and do our job, do do the job? I mean, you know, it, it's fun doing some of the other stuff, you know that that we had to do over the last 308 days. Mm-hmm. uh but uh so refreshing and you can just feel the energy in the athletic department the kids are coming back they know that they're going to be able to practice and play there's a different different vibe around the whole department you know still still social distancing still doing all the safe practices but just just seeing it in their eyes seeing the coaches the coaches are in a different mood um uh just a uh, very refreshing and uh glad to get back at it.
1: Yeah, you know, I knew I was going to miss calling games on the radio. I knew I was going to miss the broadcast aspect. That's what I've always loved to do my entire life, but even the coverage, the story writing, the previews, the game Mm -hmm. notes, the the stuff that used to be tedious work, all of a sudden felt fun again. It felt really, really important. It felt really cool to get back to being able to do a game notes. that actually mattered for a game that was being played. It felt good to put the highlight package together on social media and send it to media outlets and all the little things that, you know, you kind of just the doldrums of day-by-day work yeah. that used to be, now all of a sudden you don't take those for granted yeah, anymore. you don't. You don't. And I think it was really cool to kind of have that feeling again and a little rejuvenation almost it, of yeah. what it's like to work in the sports world.
2: Exactly. And uh, just, uh, you know, we just need to keep, continue to move forward, ba- take – take those baby steps, be happy with them, just continue to move on, and uh, as we get rolling here, I know we have a busy weekend this weekend at home, Uh, basically three events starting at 1 o'clock, and, uh, you know, other teams are going to start practicing, and then you're going to see volleyball and soccer and football, you know, so... We're, we're ready for a busy time, but uh, excited about it.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, trying to figure out how to get three different events live streamed at the same time. right? Yeah. It's a headache. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I don't miss that part of it. But the troubleshooting, the calling people over in IT in Grand Valley yeah. State but, and knowing that there's a hard deadline. right? So even when you were troubleshooting and working through problem solving during the COVID pandemic, it was always a long term problem. It was always something, well, as long as we get it figured out by right. whatever date, it'll be fine. Now, you know, hey. This Saturday at 1 p.m., these three events have to happen. If you're not ready, you're in trouble. Yeah. So to have They're that hard deadline, right? We're ready or not, and we have to be ready. Yeah. So it it just changes that whole pace that you know we love about sports and the world and the way that we work and you know the timeline and the crunch and the quick thinking and problem solving on the fly. All that stuff has kind of come flooding back. And that's been really cool to be a part of. And, of course, it's also really cool when your teams win and all four of the games go Grand Valley's way this week. We're going to talk about the GVSU men's and women's team that both start out 2-0, 2 oh. but before we do that, we do have some kind of breaking news here on Thursday. Yesterday, we broke that the Lakers swept the opening week of GLIAC, players of the week in the Southern Division. Emily Spitzley on the women's side takes it, and then Christian Negron on the men's side gets the honor. Really well-deserved for both of them. I think they come in different modes, right? We talked to Taylor Johnson in the interview. We'll get to that a little bit later, but he mentioned it. He thinks Christian's a little underrated in this mm-hmm. league, the way he's kind of, not be disrespected, but kind of overlooked at times at that center position. He could be one of the best center in the GLIAC when it's all said and done and he really proved it this week. Then on the other end you have Emily Spitzley who was learning behind a really experienced team coming had a off knee an injury. injury last exactly. year so to come back yeah. make her first career start this weekend also have to kind of be a leader because even though she's inexperienced she's one of the most experienced of the inexperienced and to do so get two tough road wins and then earn GLIAC Player of the Week honors. Two very different ways and reasons why we're so proud of those kids but nonetheless very proud of both of them well deserved.
2: Yeah, hey, hey, Emily, we know that you're coming off an injury. You've played the most of all our attorneys. Uh, and by the way, yeah, you're expected to be a leader, the leading scorer, rebounder. Yeah, we need you to take charge. Right. So, uh, yeah, yeah, there's no, there's no easing into the fire. Uh, you're going to be thrown in the fire, and you need to be the leader. Yep. So, uh, and she did a great job, you know, and and you know, as as we, she was out here working on her game earlier. That's the thing that uh, what a lot of people don't understand is how much time these kids put into their game on their own time. Oh, absolutely! Not, like, if you want to be a really good player, you don't just roll in and practice and go home. Right. I mean, it's you. You come in before practice. You stay after practice, and uh, you know that's how you. That's how you hone your craft, and you become a, that leader and that that person that is relied upon. And the coaches see that, and they're gonna they're gonna put more weight on your shoulders as as, as you perform, and so. I know Coach Was or Coach Williams, you know, really felt good about Spitzley and about what she was going to do, but you still don't know when of course you're not. when you're thrust into the, you know, it was always easy because you were the sixth option. I mean, right? I mean, no, nobody worried about Emily Spitzley, and you were on the of, scouting report, yeah. And uh, so now, guess what? Everybody's focusing on Emily Spitzley. What are you going to do? Well, she's prepared for that, and she did a great job.
1: Yeah, I mean, as we speak right now, you might hear some balls bouncing in the background. Tobin Chwaniki is out here getting some shots up on the men's side. We're in the GVSU Field House Arena, which, by the way, yeah, I didn't know how it was going to feel, Tim. When we had live action out here, no fans in the stands. Those cutouts do help. It yeah. actually looks pretty cool in here. But I'll tell you what, maybe it's because I was in the throes of calling a basketball game. But once we got rolling, I. It, Really felt normal.
2: Well, yeah, and I think um, uh, David uh, Wincoop did a great job with the the background noise. Mm-hmm. You know, the fans. You could hear that, so it, it really didn't feel like you were in a, an empty arena. You know, in terms of uh, I know there's nobody in here except for the, the teams and the officials and some uh, support personnel, but it didn't feel like it. You know, it kind of felt like with the with with the uh, background noise um, during timeouts we. You know, had music. We always had things going on. Um, Really, I've watched a lot of games on TV, and what we did here in terms of atmosphere was uh, as good as anyone.
1: And I'll say, I think we've talked about this in previous episodes of the podcast, Tim. We know how good that bench is for Grand Valley Mm -hmm. providing some energy. And they really really did. did. They were chanting defense down the stretch. You know, when you give up, because we'll talk about the games individually in a bit, but one of the moments that really stuck out to me, the Lakers rallied to tie the game at 40 on Sunday. Then Saginaw goes on an 11-0 run. Mm -hmm. And you feel like you did all this work to get back even in the blink of an eye, you're back down by double figures. And that bench got louder when that happened one stop led to a bucket led to another and all of a sudden that bench really provided that energy and the team came away and turned around and won that game down the stretch and i think the bench had a huge part of it you know taylor mentioned it that playing wise they're probably seven eight deep in terms of who was really effective on the stat sheet but that entire roster got those wins this week they
2: they really did provided great uh you know the ambiance. i thought was, was really good and uh you know and now we have Net, number two ranked Ashland coming in this weekend and uh you know we're gonna put on the same show
1: yeah and it's interesting because i talked to coach williams during the gbsu basketball hour on one on monday night about you know obviously there's no fans and it's not the same but it's still your home floor what are you most excited to about getting back on your home floor and he made a really interesting point about like this is still your home court And defending your home court should still be a sense of pride for you. It doesn't matter if there's one person in here or 100,000 people in here. You need to have the pride of defending your home court. And I think that's something that he always has had Mm -hmm. and that team always has had. And we're really going to see it when Ashland, Grand Valley, kind of this new generation of that rivalry takes center stage this weekend. And I'm looking forward to that as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously Ashland comes in uh, off an unbelievable year last year, which, you know, Grand Valley, Ashland, Drury, Arguably, the top three teams in the country, all in the same all in the same region. region yep. Uh, we're going to the same regional tournament, and uh, it's really been a, a great rivalry between Ashland and Grand Valley the last, you know, five six years, and uh, looking for another installment of that this weekend.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. Meanwhile, the men go down to Ashland, and Taylor talked about it. The Lakers have beaten Ashland at Ashland three straight times. They've won, I think, four of the last five. The one last year, of course, we remember the 71-70 loss when Grand Valley had that five count along the sideline that maybe some thought was more of a four count, but it still gave the ball back to Ashland. Ashland wound up winning that game. And, you know, you highlight that game. If you talk about uh, locker room, locker board material, that game might have been the difference between Grand Valley State going to the NCAA tournament as an at-large bid and not going to the tournament. Right. and That loss hurt them, and it yeah. was one that they felt like they should have won down the stretch here at home. They don't get Ashland at home. This is their last year in the GLIAC, so this is the last time you're guaranteed to play Ashland, a game, a team that the men's side was a rivalry about five years ago yeah. really, really heavily with those four overtime games that I'm sure you remember. Uh, you know, I go back and look at the stats all the time. I wasn't around here for them. But that's another great matchup and on the road for them. And Kate's Gymnasium, just like here, I don't care if there's one person or a hundred thousand people to play at Kate's Gymnasium is not easy.
2: No, it's not, and uh, it'll be a, it'll be an interesting uh, um, uh, doubleheader. You know, Ashland played Ferris. Actually, went down there last year, last week. They were supposed to play at Ferris. Some, you know, for whatever reason, Ashland said they weren't going to go play at Ferris. Uh, and, and wear masks to play. So Ferris actually went down and played at Ashland. Because Ohio as a it, state has it, it, different rules different in the rules state of and Michigan. and regulations. So um, Ashland is getting two more home games in the season, which yep. can play a role in the uh, conference standings. I mean, it's – you know, So uh, there's still some stuff to be worked out there. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see this group go on the road. I, it's a veteran group. Um, you know, you have a couple of newcomers and um, – Delion and and Jordan Harris, who haven't been down there, Uh, but they've played a lot of basketball. Oh yeah, everywhere in the country. And so you know, you look at that lineup, and it's it's a very veteran lineup with your top six players all being seniors. So I'm excited to see those guys have been through the ringer. They're they're not going to be
1: intimidated by Ashland at all. No, and how about that Laker backcourt this weekend on the men's side, too? Jordan Harris has never played a D2 basketball game in his life. Coming off of COVID, comes out, drops 21 points, 5 rebounds in his first ever D2 basketball game. After He did play 38 minutes a game at Adrian, but still, you know, a different animal coming yeah. to the D2 level. And then Delion Brown, who had to sit out last year. We did the math, I think it was over 750 days yeah, between Dell's games, games yeah. in basketball. And he came out and he looked like he belonged right out there, looked super comfortable at the 13 points on Saturday in the Laker backcourt. did an enough against a really good Saginaw Valley team to get them a couple of wins. So that was impressive to see. You mix that strong backcourt with a good all-conference preseason frontcourt the Lakers have and look out.
2: Yeah, and, and you know, I, I I agree with that. Jordan and, and uh, Dell did an un- unbelievable job. Gassman probably didn't shoot the ball as well as he wanted to. But, again, he he hits a couple key shots, um, you know, for Grand Valley. And then you had, you know, Jake, I thought, had gr- really good all round games, um, and, and, and Christian, obviously, click player of the week. So uh, And then Stephen Lloyd came in, provided some a, a couple of big buckets. He yeah, I think Stephen points.
1: Lloyd played 20 minutes in each game. And the second one is because Jake was in so right. much foul trouble. But um, the other one, you know, Dell was in foul trouble in the first half. Who came in? Stephen Lloyd.
2: Six points, four rebounds for Stephen in the first game. And, uh, you know, he provides that leadership off the bench. um, And he does so many things well. He knows where he's supposed to be, when he's
1: supposed to be there uh, in every situation. Well, you really, you know, he hit about as big of a shot as you can hit in the first half. With the Lakers down Mm -hmm. 12 on Saturday in the first half, he hit that three that that sparked the run to get them back into it. They wound up taking a six point lead into half. You know, if he doesn't come in and hit that three, if that thing rattles out. Who knows how that game turns out? Saginaw's got all the confidence in the world. Delano Smith off the bench was fantastic for them last weekend, and he could have really taken over that game. But Stephen Lloyd came out did a great job. Jordan Harris, I think, you know, Malik Ellison, who was an honorable mention for Player of the Week this week, is one of the better players in the backcourt in this league. And Jordan Harris, as much as we've talked about the offensive stats, the 21 points, five rebounds, he was absolutely in Malik Ellison's jersey and did a really nice job on the defensive end as well. So, you know, these are two teams. Know, of course, Mike Williams, ladies, are always going to play really good defense as they did this past weekend at Saginaw but these are two GLIAC teams that can play some really good defense so if you like defensive-minded basketball if you like dominance on the boards if you like the slow play like that you're gonna like watching GVSU basketball play this year oh and by the way the men's team also has some pretty high flyers as well yeah, so they, yeah they can really turn on the Jets and kind of get it both ways but let's break down the end of that women's game on Saturday the second one they wind up winning it by one point to ask a freshman to make those free throws yeah. down the stretch. That? Tie game, freshman gets foul. Riley hits one of the. T- she missed the first one, yep. but comes back and hits the second one big time, puts the Lakers in front. Then a couple of errors on both sides, back and forth. You come to a tip drill play for Saginaw Valley, and the Lakers able to get the victory at the end and hold on for it. And, you know, the way they won that game, Tim, that's one you'd expect a team with some veteran leadership and some really experienced players to pull out. Saginaw is the one that has the veteran players that have played a lot of minutes that know what they're doing. Grand Valley has a bunch of first-time starters and new players on the road, and they're the ones that are able to pull that out. Huge testament to that win. That's one of the more impressive wins, I think, that we could expect from this team this year is that even though, you know, of course, Ashland is going to be the bigger marquee name to get a win against them would be impressive, but the way they won that game on Saturday – Awfully impressive.
2: Well, especially you know, on, on Friday, it was a close game at half. Lakers dominated the second half, went, ended up winning by 15. You know that with Saginaw's experience, they're going to come in and they're going to play well. And, and it's, a, it's, it's a new animal out there in terms of playing back, the same team back-to-back with no practice in between. Mm-hmm. You can't go on the court and shoot around. You, can't, you, can, you can watch film. You can have team meetings. But you can't go on the court and you can't run through things. You know Saginaw is going to make the adjustments, and they did. They have veteran players, and they played well. They led to the, you know, virtually entire game. Lakers came back in the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, Grand Valley State only scores five points and wins the game. Right. Um, But, uh, you know, they they made their shots when they needed to. um, And, and obviously, uh, this ball hits the big free throw. I mean, the second of the two, by the way. Right. She missed the first. Yep. So it's a tie game. And All she, the pressure she hits, falls to you uh, yeah, to hit the second that, that one to take the shot, lead. That rim was uh, a lot smaller than after the first shot, and then and then you know in terms of uh, the Lakers get a get, get a turnover, turn the ball over, but you know in terms of uh, you know he, it was funny because coach talked about putting Jocelyn Brennan in the game for the end of the game situation. Mm-hmm. Um, she hadn't played, and, nope. and uh, they had worked through the situation. They'd done it in practice. <laughs> They'd a bunch. done it in practice. Uh, put her in the, in that situation and. Laker fans are gonna are, are gonna see Jocelyn for the next five years, four or five years, and they're gonna be impressed with her. But they put her in that situation; she made it hard to throw her, you know, over the top of her, and uh, Lakers got the win. So to go on the road and beat an experienced team, uh, to, and back-to-back wins when you're entering the games with players who haven't been the marquee players. They haven't been asked. They've been asked to be role players. Now they're thrust into the role of being the leaders. Yep. And and they really did a great job between Spitzley and Coolis. And I mean, it was across the board. Uh, everybody made a contribution, and that and that's how you're able to get two wins in the road.
1: Yeah, Hannah played great in both games. Brooke McKinley had a really good first game shooting the basketball. Sammy Garrels, who's just a workhorse, is does all those little things for you in both games as well, putting in major Freshman minutes. Freshman point guard Drosty. Yep. And then Ellie Droste asked to come in and play point guard because Quay wasn't available to travel with Mm -hmm. the team. We'll see her for the first time in a Laker uniform this weekend when the Lakers host Ashland. But, uh, yeah, again, just a great, Overall, great couple of wins for them, great couple of wins for the men. It's great to start out 4-0. Only two teams in the entire GLIAC did it. Northwood did it against Davenport. Grand Valley did it against Saginaw Valley. And a couple of impressive shows for the, the Lakers. And you
2: were able to see what Emily Spitzley uh, is, is capable of. Um, both, well, we've heard about both, it. Both Spitzley and uh, Drostier from Pewama Westphalia High School, just, the east, or just west of La- the Lansing area. And, uh, you know, yeah, I think you, that you,
1: helps, too, because uh, Emily was on the coach's show with me on Monday night, and she said, you know, of course she's played with Ellie yeah, a bunch, yeah. and there's nobody that she would have more faith in mm-hmm. coming in to make exactly. their first career play. Not she didn't start the game, but right. she played a bulk of the minutes, and there was nobody that Emily would trust more at that level than to have Ellie right. come in, of course, and that camaraderie was definitely clear right off the bat as those two helped lead the Lakers to a couple of wins. Well, on the men's side, the Lakers got the two wins as well. We've broken down the four games for Grand Valley State, four athletic events, four victories. That's great to hear. The GVSU Anchor Up podcast is presented in part by our friends at NovaCare. Discover the power of physical therapy with the official physical therapy provider of GVSU Athletics by PNC Bank, the official bank of GVSU Athletics, PNC Bank, for the Achiever in you, and by Earhart Construction, the official construction company of the Grand Valley Sports Network. Time now to get to our guest interview. It's GVSU men's basketball assistant coach Taylor Johnson. He's got a great story. Started as a manager for Western Michigan, was a graduate assistant at NC State. He went famous on Vine. He went viral when viral first became being a fan, he was one of the first ones to do it he'll talk about that talk about this year's team talk about his path and also some tips for some youngsters looking to get into coaching a really great conversation with coach johnson all of our guest interviews are presented by coors light reminding you to drink responsibly coors light is distributed locally by alliance beverage all right without further ado here is the assistant coach for grand valley state men's basketball taylor johnson And with that, we welcome on GVSU men's basketball assistant, Taylor Johnson, on the program
0: for the first time. Coach, how you doing? Doing good. Just got a couple wins, so always good to talk to you guys after wins. A little harder after some losses, so really happy with the start of the year, happy to be on.
1: Well, so far, nothing but wins, 2-0 and in that weekend against Saginaw Valley. For We talked about it with Coach Wesley during the radio show earlier this week, but it's kind of emotional, he said, getting back out there and all the different mix of emotions. Tell us how it was for you to get back out on the floor and coach a real basketball game for the first time in almost a year.
0: Yeah, it was a long time coming. Uh, you know, People don't even know, we actually had a non-conference game scheduled with Purdue Northwest that got canceled. We had a scrimmage with uh, Olivet. And, and a real game with Olivet get canceled. So it was a long time coming for a guy. So just to be back out there, you know, coach is a big thing. You just want to bring joy, you know, play with joy. And, and we were just, we had low expectations because we hadn't really practiced. And uh, we were just really excited just to be back out there and compete and see somebody else. What, whether you win or lost, I felt like, you know, the fact that we were out there, you know, with everything the administration's done, you know, the resources we've committed to playing uh, felt really good. And, you know, to come out with a win was even better. And
1: let's talk about what Jake Van Tubergen did for you on Saturday because the six assists match a career high for him. And to see the growth of his game, I know he's a Holland guy. You've watched him for a very, very long time. For you to see the growth of his game into what he's become now here into his senior year, what does that mean to you? What can you tell us about what you've seen from when Jake came in, braces on as a freshman, what we see now on the floor?
0: Yeah, the six assists were impressive, but to me the better thing was zero turnovers. You know, Jake's actually been, you know, kind of a a one-to-one assist to turnover guy. And I really felt like, you know, the six assists were great, but Jake, all right, zero turnovers. There you go, big fella. You know, you can do it. We've given him some more uh, role responsibility, a little leeway, playing with the ball up top, creating for others. You know, he's the number one guy in every scouting report. Everybody knows who he is. There's no surprise. And they know all his moves. You know, defense is collapsing on him. He's got to be able to distribute the ball. So really, really happy with his effort, uh, you know, and and his comfortableness in creating for others.
2: Uh, I'm going to get off track here a little bit. First thing, uh, David Kuhl will be happy that you're on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, he will. Um, and the new the new hairdo. I mean, have you cut your hair since COVID
0: started? <laughs> or are, are we going to the Pat Riley slick black look? Or Yeah, it, it's, it's been a long time coming. I used to have the long hair when I played baseball in high school. I, I, was, I was into baseball, probably more so than basketball. Third base, the long locks, I was kind of into it. I, I felt like that was a good look. And then, you know, I felt like it got in the real world. And uh, you had to have the buzz cut, you know, the clean cut kind of a thing. And and COVID hit, and I just kind of let it go. And um, it really, it really kind of just turned into something that me and Coach Wesley were both doing. You because know, he, he, his was, is long too. Yeah, his was yeah. long too. He yeah. was letting his go, and we and we both kind of kind of just went with it. And I ended up getting glasses during this time. I started <laughs> trying to grow a beard. I mean, the whole thing. I was just going <laughs> for a completely different look. And uh, and now I'm just sticking with it. I'm rolling with it. I don't know if it's Pat Riley or. Uh, or Barry Melrose, but... Barry I, Melrose, uh, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, if you uh, could get
1: the beard growing oh, in there, yeah. Barry uh, Melrose. Uh, How did the beard grow in for you?
0: Not well. Not <laughs> He's not well. a beard guy. You can I, just tell right now. <laughs> and, and, that face was not, is not a beard face. No. Uh, and both my brothers, they can grow great beards, and my dad can too, and I just don't have it. I don't have it at all. So I'm going to stick to the long hair uh, as long as I can until, you know, until someone tells me so i uh, about that, it. That's, who would you have considered yourself third base then? I mean if uh, oh, man. in today's in today's, player. In today's Who, player. who's Taylor Johnson? Well, back in the day I wanted to be Nomar. That was my guy, Nomar Garcia Parra. That was that was my guy. He got to the Cubs late in his career. I'm a big Cubs fan. Uh you know now, you know, even before Ryan Sandberg. I mean, Chris Bryant, you know, a little bit of that, but I wasn't a good hitter. You know, I was like a 270-280 hitter and in high school. That's not very good. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean it's not. You know, I hit six. And uh, never crack, crack top forward. If you're not top four in high school, you're not that good. Yeah, probably. Leader. Probably the high school. Yeah, go career, over to the basketball it's, it's, manager. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know yeah, that yeah. role. That kind of route. But I love fielding. I mean, I I felt like I had some of the best hands and one of the best better arms in the league, and and we were really good. Made it to the final four yeah. twice in three years. So.
2: Basketball and baseball, and they and they were in the uh, yep. semifinals and every year in that in those
0: two in those two sports. So yep. when you couldn't so crack the top four in the lineup, is that when you knew you wanted to get into the coaching <laughs> route or what? <laughs> I don't know what it was, you know, if that was it or when I went down to Southeastern University and uh, my my buddy Nate Young was on a, a full baseball scholarship and the coach was like, "Well, just come on, you know, come to tryouts." I showed up to tryouts. There were seven third baseman that showed up for, for the one walk on <laughs> third base. I looked around and I go, well, this ain't going to work. <laughs> uh, that, that, I mean, I'm not I know. We're in Florida, too. Yeah. I, it, yeah. It, 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 and in and Florida. by the way, the number six hitters in Florida are, are <laughs> They're cracking the top <laughs> four. All state Michigan. No question. Because yeah. they're playing year-round. Yeah. So then so then I took, like, I right, showed up day one of the trials. I go, oh, this isn't for me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. I just eliminated myself <laughs> from the competition. <laughs> And then and then I went back to my dorm and uh, and I had so much free time it was remarkable. I had to have taken two naps a day, you know. I I just didn't know what to do with myself. And this so is down in Miami, Florida. This, this is in Lakeland, Florida, right there in Lakeland and uh, Southeastern University, small school down there. Nai, so I'm not playing. I'm not gonna play baseball. I'm taking. I got all this free time. The college kids have so much free time. It's just remarkable. You got yeah you one class a day, maybe two. You know, and then homework's optional, nah, so yeah. you know. Going to class is optional. Or go to class is optional <laughs> for some. For some, so then I then I marched down to the basketball coach's office, and he was riding his bike, and I literally flagged him down. He, he probably thought I was crazy. I said, "Listen, I'm not trying to be on the team." I said, "Just put me on the bench. I'll get I'll get water, do towels. I got to do something in my life." And and then the next day, uh, the next day he's like, "All right, show up tomorrow." And and he put me in a drill. Just threw threw me right in a drill. It was like a three man weave or something like that. And it was, you know I. I was fine, you know. I just played high school ball. I could handle that, but then, then there came a point too. After a few drills, he was kind of like, you know, yeah, you know, let's have you be a manager and, <laughs> to, and help out, do the film exchange, that kind of stuff. And it was a lot of fun. But I, I loved my time down there. There's
2: so many, there's so many of those stories out there. That's how people get started in the profession. Now you're, you know, you yeah. College basketball coach. I well, mean, you know, you there's go so it, many of those. You look
1: at what Phil did. He was trying out yeah. for the baseball team. Rick was trying out for the baseball team yeah, at no, CMU. Yeah. That didn't work out. Winds up being a coach. So it's not a bad route no, to go. It's,
0: it's, it's so, no, so you just, interesting. The thing, I would just tell college kids, you know, like, you got to be involved in something. Yeah. you got to do yeah. something. You 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 have to build a network. You know, you have to have extracurricular activity. You know, whatever it is. Be involved in some, get to know people, enjoy your time.
2: But I think it's changed over the years, though. That yeah. was the case when you were coming up through, when 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 Jake was coming up through, and even, even when I was. You know, yeah. that social interaction, interpersonal communication was was huge in life. Now it's not. Yeah. Now it's it's phones, phones, and, yeah. and Instagram and Twitter, and yeah. you know, it's the lack of community. I don't want to communicate with anybody. Right. There's people that would love going through life like. Not even talking, have any uh, interpersonal no. communication.
1: Well, and right now it's all about the brand, too. So you like, let's talk about Michigan basketball. Look at Juwan Howard. He gets the job. I mean, obviously he's done a phenomenal job there. But, you know, yeah, if you were a Fab Five player, you could probably get a coaching job, too, if you wanted. But to come up the way that, you know, you guys have come up as coaches is a very different world, and mm-hmm. there's a big grind that people don't really see. Like, not many people can just roll in and get the Michigan job as their first, basically, first coaching job. It's yeah. a pretty hard job to get. So you got to work your way up and grind through that. It's, just a, it's a different world coming up from your world and yeah. so i'm pretty sure it's cool to see a guy like uh like zach spryzak for you who comes from that same mold who comes in works as a student manager wants to get into coaching and now he's down in missouri coaching and getting to start that career like that mm-hmm. that's got to be something that's cool for you to see guys that come through your program like that and get their coaching start that way
0: yeah i am always you know blow bias to all of all of us manager coaches out there um you know there's a lot there's a lot of them there's a lot of guys who did not play uh, Frank Vogel didn't play, you know. Spolster didn't play. There's a lot of those guys who did the manager to the video route to mm-hmm. the GA, you know, and all that kind of stuff. We, we didn't have the last name of a, a Pat Riley or a or Bryce Drew. We don't have those names yeah. that that can kind of get you in the door. And no offense to those guys. I mean, those guys are all great coaches, and they probably know a lot more than we do. But it's just a different pathway, and it's tougher. You know, we're not former players. You know, we don't have the stature or, or anything like that. So. You know, I'm I'm always really proud of those guys, and I think it's a good way to grow up. and And uh, I think as you move forward in this profession, you appreciate it a lot more. What did you
1: learn about your team? Speaking of coaching, let's get back to the GVSU Lakers. What did you learn about your team this past weekend? As you said, you guys didn't really get a m- much of a chance to practice this year. A lot of up and down, will they, won't they? And as it turns out, you guys do get to play last weekend. What'd you learn?
0: Well, I think the big thing that we learned is is that we have seniors. We have six seniors that are that are experienced guys. That they're not scared of the moment. Um, that they're ready to go. You know, Deleon Brown and Jordan Harris weren't with us last year, but, you know, Deleon, you know, he was at Colorado before, and he sat out last year for us, so he was with us in practice. And Jordan Harris played 38 minutes a game at Adrian and MIAA, which is a great league in Division Three. So those guys have tons of experience. And then even Stephen Lloyd, I mean, it's his fifth year fifth year here. I mean, he, so none of the guys, you know, our top six really scared of the moment and they showed a lot of resiliency. When we try to get some younger guys in, you know, they got to get better they will, you know, as as we progress, but I was really proud of the seniors and they never felt out of it. You know, every media timeout, you really if you watched us in the second half down 11, down 12, hey, make our run, make our run. Hey, we're good, we're still in it. There was never a sense we never felt defeated. We never felt like we were in a really bad situation. So, I felt like they were really we're a really resilient group, but that that's what helps. I mean, when you have six seniors, I mean, it's just huge.
1: I mean, we can't t- not talk about Christian Nagron who just yesterday cuz we put this out on Thursday just yesterday got named the GLIAC South player of the week congratulations to him and we saw flashes of it last year in his first year in Allendale and it's only been one weekend so we're not going to say that he's you know taking it and run with it but what we saw from him this weekend the consistency the solid on both ends of the floor the way he not only led physically but also emotionally and mentally seemed like he was huge for your team this weekend especially with Jake in foul trouble on Sunday.
0: Yeah we've had a good stretch here of centers Uh, when we got Isaiah Brock from Oakland I felt, oh man, you know, here's a kid. He could have entered the portal and gone to any high-major school. We're probably not gonna have a better, you know, center than that. Blocking shots, athleticism. And then when Brock decided uh, to, you know, retire, basically, we were just like, man, we we gotta fill that void. And we got Christian from Loyola, Drew Valentine, brother of Denzel, a really good friend of mine. He calls me up and he said, Taylor, you know, we went to the Final Four with this kid. He didn't play much, but I'm telling you, man. I would let my sister marry this kid. He's an unbelievable kid. He works his butt off. He's just a little short for our league. And he's got a 7'3 wingspan, so he is a little short. He's only six-six, but at the end of the day, he plays so big, and he was just huge for us. Last year, I felt like, you know, second team all league, but I felt, still felt like he was a little underrated, didn't get the, probably the appreciation he quite deserved. You know, he didn't didn't, didn't get named preseason all-conference to me, which is just kind of crazy because he's clearly one of the best uh, players and probably the best center in the league. So, you know, he proved it. He came out and proved mm-hmm. it. And that's that's what you just want to see from mm-hmm. those kind of guys. And he's going to take his game to another level. You know, Christian had to work on his free throw shooting. We all knew it. I think he was like 63% last year. Mm-hmm. And for him to go 10 for 10 in a game is just huge. The growth. Uh, that he's put into his shot and his confidence in there has just been huge. So really proud of that kid.
1: Literally, you could see it from the opening tip because I mean, you, like you said, he's six foot six. He's standing at the mid stripe with Innocent Nowoko, who's seven foot tall. You know, you almost want to just say, "All right, it's going to be Saginaw's basketball to start the game." Yeah. He wins both opening tips. Did you know he was going to do that?
0: Yeah, I did. I, I, I haven't seen Christian <laughs> lose a tip. I, 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 every time the last three years we've had a tip.
2: I, his, I don't think we've lost. one. His, his timing is incredible. Yeah, and, and you see that on the defensive end, his timing blocking shots, yeah. when you drive the lane, it reminds me of uh, close to Suzuku back when, in the early 2000s on the Elite Eight teams. And and, uh, and
1: Christian is always able. His timing on blocking shots is incredible. Is that something you can work on,
0: like the opening tip drill? Do you guys work <laughs> on that at all? Or is that something that you just kind of roll out the ball and see what happens? Uh, I think that's a lot of athleticism. You know, it's God-given, I think, for the most part. Uh, but we do a tips and sprints drill. You know, we're always – you know, I work with the big, so we're always – you know, tipping the ball up on the glass and, and reaching new heights and trying to, trying to get the ball at the highest point. And all those things matter. You know, our strength coach does a great job, Matt Fluter, of, of getting our guys, you know, working on their vertical in the weight room. So, you know, when you're, when you're kind of given some God-given athleticism like that and then you add it with some college strength and conditioning, you know, you can turn into a really good player. And you've seen some
1: great college strength and conditioning in your career as well, weaving through. Let's talk a bit about your path, how you got to Grand Valley State. Of course, you know everyone remembers you from the one shining moment—the bench back guy at <laughs> NC State. Tell us a little bit about that NCAA tournament run for you. What it was like down there in uh, North Carolina?
0: Yeah, the fact that you know people still are, still talk to me about that and still put it up on Twitter like every <laughs> year—it's just it's almost remarkable. I'll never forget. Uh, we're playing LSU in the first round. Uh, we're the nine seed. They're the eight seed. And you, there's a bench rule in the NCAA. You can mm-hmm. only have 18 people on the bench. And we had four walk-ons, and I was a GA with another GA. And Coach Godfrey had to make a tough call, you know, whether he's going to go with walk-ons or GAs. We both wanted it, obviously. This is everything we worked for. And selfishly, I'm like, well, let us do this game and let them do the next game. And that's kind of how we did it. So we actually just flipped a coin. I'll never forget, in the hotel room. And we flipped a coin, and the GAs got the first game. And if we would, the, the walk-ons <laughs> get to sit on the bench the next game. And and I'll never forget our assistant Bobby Lutz told me, "Hey, said you got one job, man. Don't ever let anybody onto that court ever in any situation, and don't ever say anything, you know, to a referee, you know, or you'd get any attention. Because like that was the that was the two biggest rules. And I'm like, it's basically just sit there, yeah. shut up, you know, don't make do we- sure nobody goes on. <laughs> the make court. sure nobody on the court. <laughs> so here we are against LSU, and they were loaded. And Tim Cordemus comes down, misses a shot." When we draw this isolation play for Trevor Lacey, who was, was first-team All-ACC at the time, and, and he bailed us out of every game. And Trevor couldn't get a shot off on the right wing. So Trevor throws it to B.J. Anya. And if the, you don't know B.J. Anya, he's, he's 6'9", 350 in a good day. Yeah. <laughs> I, he, you know, I'm talking like a monster. Big of a Zion, but small. Oh, just huge. And B.J. could block shots and dunk, but he couldn't do much else. We throw it to him almost at the... You know, just underneath the free throw line, and, you're like, and everybody's just holding their breath, you know, four, three, two. B.J. shoots a left-handed hook. He's a right-handed <laughs> player from about, <laughs> from about 10 feet. And you're just like, there's just no way. That's it. All right, Pat, go home. We'll see you tomorrow. And the ball bounces in as Malik Abu almost offensive goaltends. The ball goes in, and Caleb and Cody Martin, I'm not kidding, who are in the NBA playing for the Charlotte Hornets right now are sitting right next to me, and they're about to run on the court. And uh, I I know in college basketball, the clock stopped, and um, you know LSU had a little time to inbound the ball, and the first thing I thought was everybody was celebrating. The first thing I saw, box out the Martin Twins. <laughs> you know, box out. So there's this video going around, of, you know, me just getting low in my suit. And I'm, I'm holding back two future NBA players. <laughs> they're both six six twins. They're, they're phenomenal players right now. They've they've had an unbelievable career here in the NBA, and I'm just holding back. And somehow the camera picked up on me. And oh, uh, this you know this was in. Um, uh, what was it before TikTok. What was the vine vine when vine was yeah. here? There was a vine of me and, it had a, it had a million views and stuff like that. And I was the get back guy, and everybody get, everybody <laughs> needs the get back guy, you know. But it, then we'd be over the next night, who's in one seat. I wasn't even on the bench for, it. and everybody was like, "Where's the get back guy? Where's, where's the give a legendary status?" So. Yeah, he's up in the tenth row with mom and dad. That's where he is.
1: So. At least you were there for round two, though, and that that was an awesome run for you guys. And just the NCAA tournament itself at the D1 level has to be such an experience. Obviously, this year it'll be very very different. Everything's been very very different this year, but uh, th- that experience. Itself had to be something that you'll probably remember for the rest of your life, I'd imagine.
0: Yeah, to think at the age, you know, like 23, 24, that I was already part of a Sweet 16 team, I mean, it's pretty remarkable. Guys go their whole career and never get to the Sweet 16, and and a lot of low major, mid major guys never get to the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, I think of David Cool, you know, a, the all time great player at Western Michigan, you know, he never played in the NCAA tournament. So, it was a it was a great experience. You know, we had a ton of talent. We had a great run, three straight NCAA tournaments, two sweet 16s, and four years. I wasn't there for the first one, but it was a great experience. It's 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 one of the greater sporting weeks of the year. I think we all can agree. And I just it's fun to see the casual fan who doesn't know anything about college basketball root for NC State because I picked you in my bracket. You know, and all that kind of stuff. And you feel that, and it's a lot of fun, and everyone gets involved and and, you know our country needs more of those more of those events. Well,
2: you were you know down there, Tobacco Road basketball, yeah. ACC. That's like Southeastern Conference football when I was oh, yeah. in Florida, and it's a, just a different. It's a different animal. And ACC basketball. I mean, the ACC tournament. How legendary that is! Having North Carolina State, North Carolina, and Duke all within what twenty miles. Day, I mean. Talk about that whole, yeah. uh, you know, it's ACC experience and yeah, culture
0: yeah. and and what goes on to, and, during a basketball season in that area. Yeah, and a lot of people don't even know Wake Forest used <clears throat> right. to be just north of Raleigh. It's a Wake Forest, North Carolina. It's just north of Raleigh. So, you know, back in I don't know maybe the '40s, it used to be Wake Forest, North Carolina, North Carolina State, and Duke all within twenty, twenty-five miles. Is crazy. Um, when I got down there. I it's amazing that, that they're so close but they kinda do feel like their own, they're kinda far apart. Like we don't go to Durham. If you live in Raleigh, you're not going to Durham and if you're in Durham, like you're not going to Chapel Hill. You know, you're not going out not to that eat weird. That's you know, crazy. You're not going out to eat in Chapel That's Hill. It's crazy. Now. It's crazy. And Raleigh's the biggest of the three cities right. and they and Durham has the Durham Bulls, which is a triple A team and you know, Chapel Hill has their own things. But I tell you what, you do not go to those towns and everyone kinda just has their own little pod, you know, within the giant city. But the hardest part is the recruiting, man. I mean, it was so difficult to recruit. Um, I'll never forget, you know, my one of my first days, you know, I had to write the letters and fill uh, out the envelopes and all that stuff. And then Coach Godfrey just had to sign them. And uh, we were recruiting two guys as freshmen. I was writing them a letter every week Bametta Bale, who's at, it was, it was <laughs> at, at my, Miami Bam. Heat. Uh, three guys then. Uh, Brandon Ingram, you know, New Orleans Pelicans and Dennis Smith Jr. And those are the three guys, like, all in North Carolina, Fayetteville, Kinston, and, and down in Greenville, and we had to get. Like, it was a must-get, you know. And every day I wrote a letter to Bam Adebayo, 76 Church Lane. I can still tell you his mom, <laughs> that's his mom's address. You know, I still know this day because when you write it so much, you just know it. And it was so hard not to – it was so hard to get those players – but, like, your fans, like, just would crucify you, you know, if, like, they would choose Duke over here or North Carolina. It was so difficult. We year lost Bam at the end. It was us in Kentucky. Uh, Bam, I went to Kentucky. And then Brandon Ingram, we really felt like we had him all the way up until the end. Then he chose Duke and just go down the line. And then sooner or later we got Dennis Smith, which was a big one for us. He ended up being ACC freshman of the year. So the the recruiting's probably the, the most heated part of living down there in that area. And then when you play against each other, just get ready. If you win, there's a there's there's a rally, there's a parade. You know, I mean, look at Alabama just play. I can't believe you know we're in a pandemic and Alabama had this, you know, the streets <laughs> the were the just entire city oh, of oh my god, was out there. they didn't even know. No. I tell you what, we won at Duke or won at Camp, at North Carolina my second year, and we came back to campus Hillsborough Street and rally. I'm telling you, ten twenty thousand people waiting for us, just waiting for it, and just hitting the bus and. And we let all the team off the bus, and then I'll never forget. coaches like, "All right, you know, Taylor, make sure you get all the guys back on the bus and get a roll call." So we, I'm like, "What?" So there's twenty thousand people, and our guys are just running yeah, around, high right. five and taking. A- I gotta go find these guys. There's no. <laughs> we just let We just let them go. I said, like, "Let go." Herm was a bus driver. <laughs> Let's go, Herm. Get out of here. And uh, and it's just it's like a Super Bowl. Yeah. It's like a Super Bowl for them. And when you beat that team, relief to the boosters and supporters. And really, nothing else matters. You beat Carolina, that's all they really care about. You right. beat Duke, that's really all they care about. Um, the North Carolina-North Carolina state rivalry, man, that thing is strong <clears throat> in the communities, in the cities. The Duke one is more of just kind of like a, a, a basketball thing. You want to beat them for basketball right. purposes. But, uh, man, it was, it was wild. It was a good time. You've
1: seen a bunch of different cultures, and I want to kind of bring it back to Grand Valley because now you're going to what, your fifth year here at Grand Valley State with Coach Wesley. And, I, and to me, you know, I'm, I've been here for four years now, and one thing that Coach Wesley's really built is a strong tradition, a family atmosphere that he's grown here. How does this atmosphere that you've been a part of at Grand Valley State compare maybe to some of the other ones you've seen, and what do you like about what Coach Wesley's
0: established here? Yeah, it's not just Coach Wesley, it's the whole Grand Valley you know, Athletic Administration in general because you're at North Carolina State, you know, we had our own building. You know, like this field house, it was just men's basketball. Right. You never saw the soccer coach. I couldn't tell you who the soccer coach was. I didn't know him. You know, and now I can just walk down the hallway and hang out with Jeff Hosler, who's got four national championships, and pick his brain and, and, and talk to him about different things. So the whole the whole community is a good thing, and, and that's what Coach Wesley's all about. You know, he loves when people come in his office. He loves chit-chatting. He loves getting to know you. Every new person who gets hired, he's one of the first people in their office. Where are you from? You know, let's pull up the map. You know, figure out. You know, well, who Google I Maps. who I know, who I know. You know, who I've recruited from your yep. area. Yep. You know, and all that. So you know, that's really instilled a lot on me. But as far as like our team culture, you know, it's changed a little bit in our five years. It's the best it's ever been these last couple of years. It really has, and we're recruiting to it, and we're getting players who come from good cultures that understand like. You know, hey, we won at Loyola. We won at Bradley. Like we want to, you know, we're coming here and we're going to do similar things, instill those similar things on the young guys, and that's just that's the right way to do things. So we're not going to rec- we're not going to recruit anymore from losing programs, transfers that didn't have a good culture. We're not going to do that. We're, we've set ourselves up where we should be able to get some of the best players and some of the best kids.
2: I think what you said just said there is is incredible the days of recruiting the freshmen and seeing them through your program for four or five years is over. I mean, it's uh, it's, it's just not going to happen anymore. And that's 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 huge because you have to rely on those guys to, to compete now in terms of yeah. the, the immediate eligible transfers. And how difficult is it to just navigate that? I mean, in terms of figuring out their background, what they've done, and and but yet they got to fit into what your what you want
0: to do within your own program, right? You really have to trust the coaches that they play for and have relationships with those guys. Like I would rather, you know, like like Drew calls me, hey Christian Negrin's going to go on the transfer portal. Heads up, you know this is a guy you got to be over. Instead of looking at the transfer portal and just being like so and so, I don't know anybody. He's got good stats. Let's call him, recruit him. I mean that's okay, but. Because I have a strong network, and Coach Wesley obviously has been in 40 years, almost knows everybody, and Coach Wallace has a good network, we can find out through our friends, Mm -hmm. like, hey, no, this kid's a good kid. He's a hard worker. He would help you. And then other guys will be straight up with us and be like, no, you don't want to mess with that guy. It's just not worth the risk. The reward's not worth the risk. And and we kind of just – that's kind of how we go. I actually keep a book throughout the year. I call it my transfer book. And every time someone pops on the portal, you know, I make a couple phone calls and I have a whole page – Established to each transfer kid and make notes. And then at the end, you know, it's either, you know, it's a big X or, you know, it's a big check, you know, if we get them. So it's hard to do because you can't get out there and, like, go to a high school game Mm -hmm. and go to their class and see them. You know, it's all word of mouth. But it's all about your network. If you have a strong network, people respect you, they trust you you can use that to your advantage, and you can get the right kids in your program.
1: Talk a little bit about that network, because I'm very impressed. It feels like everywhere we go, you know a coach, whether it's at the NBA, collegiate, high school level, whatever it may be, that you have a personal relationship with. How did you begin this journey of building this network? And if you were to talk to somebody, a young wannabe coach who's trying to get into the industry, how would you describe the importance of building a network, and how would you go about it?
0: Yeah, I've been very blessed to the standpoint of, like, I worked with guys early on who kind of stressed that. They stressed that. And then also when I was a, uh, a manager at Western Michigan, I had a lot of responsibility, whether it was shoot-arounds or film exchange. or And you just get to talking to people, and they're all going through the same thing. Oh, man, I was up till 2 a.m. last night loading this thing on DVDs. Oh, man, I tell you what, I had bad, no Wi-Fi, and I was doing the laundry. And, and you just have so much. <laughs> right. in, you have so much in common with them, and then you just stay in touch with them. But the one thing that I did – at the end of Western and then when I got to NC State is I wrote Christmas cards to every single coach I knew. And I'm telling you guys, it I I had to write 250, 300 Christmas cards. But it was just a little thing that I really felt like it was kind of still meaningful. And I felt like, well, if I'm ever going to get a job, like, you know, if they're not going to remember anything, I'm able to remember, like, they got this NC State Christmas card from Coach Johnson. And, you know, oh, I remember meeting them, And I always try to remember right on there, you know, how we met and you know, hey, you know, good win over so and so. We'll see you this this point. You know, let's meet up at the Final Four. Any type of convention situation, and that I ended up, you know, making a lasting impact. I, I always wrote one to Coach Wesley, and I didn't even know him that well, and not, now I'm working for him. Yeah. So, I, I think little things like that that people don't don't think about and do because it kind of takes time. and It's meticulous. You know, it can go a long way. So, you know, networking's huge. Um, another thing that really helped me too with the NBA. Was at NC State was in charge of NBA scouts, so we have practice every day. We have a balcony up above, and the NBA scouts had to go through me to come to practice. Well, pff, now you got Matt Doherty texting right. you, and you got the GM of the, of the Nets and all this stuff texting your phone, and you're just like, man, this is sweet. Especially when you got good players. Yeah, especially yeah. When you got, you know, we had T.J. Warren, <laughs> yeah. and everybody yeah. wanted T.J. Warren. So, so you know, they're coming to the balcony, and I'd get them waters, and I would be able to sit with them, chat them with them a while. And the next thing you know, they're like, well, hey, where should I get something to, to eat? You know, I'd recommend them on where to eat, and then every now and then, like Jason Buckner, who's the director of scouting with the Pistons now, he'd be like, "Hey, why don't you come to dinner with me?" Great, yeah, of course. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm there. You know, now I'm having dinner with you know a guy who's director scout for the Pistons, and um, I had dinner with a guy who's now the GM of the Spurs, Brian Wright, who's a good friend. So it's amazing in this business. Like you could be a college scout one day, and then the next day you're a GM. I mean, oh my goodness, yeah. some some of the rise with these guys remarkable. And that's another thing I would tell kids, too, is is you never know when you meet somebody, their current job, where they're going to be in three or four years. Yep. It's huge. I met this uh, video coordinator from Columbia in the airport. I'll never forget his name Pat. And we're sitting and talking. I kind of big-timed him a little bit. I was like, oh, he's a video. I look him up, video coordinator at Columbia. And anything else, he's younger than me. He's assistant coach at Washington State now. <laughs> you know, he's a high major assistant at 28. Come on. I mean, who was I that to, to you know judge <laughs> judge his his well, career path? You know, it's interesting you say
2: that because uh, and this came from Tim Selgo and it came from Nick Saban when they were together at Toledo. Yeah. Nick Saban told Selgo when they were meeting one day when Nick was the coach there. He goes, you know, it you need to treat it. You're gonna be judging life on how you treat the people that can't help you versus yeah. the people that can help you. Being nice to the custodian, treating them with respect, because the people that can help you are gonna see how you treat those other people. And then that, that's what's really going to make a difference in, in terms of, yeah. you know, and then you never know what you're going to be, who you're going to be interacting with and by treating everybody with respect and, and yeah. it, it makes a huge difference. goes a long
1: way. Well, it's great to get basketball back, get you guys back on the floor this week before before we let you go. You go to Ashland now this weekend, give us a little preview of what we got going on this weekend. Unfortunately, I don't get to make the trips with you this year because of COVID, so I don't get to go watch those games down in Kate's Gymnasium, but you and Ashland have had some really, really good battles the last few years, and just tell us what to expect this weekend against the Eagles.
0: Yeah, well, I told the guys the other day, I said, you know, we've won three straight at Ashland, and this is the last time. With them leaving our league, we're probably going to be there. You know, I mean, maybe a non-conference game down the road. But, hey, we have we have a job here to leave a lasting impact. And, you know, it's so hard to win two games on the road, let alone back-to-back against the same team. But, you know, that's what we're going in there to do. You know, we're going in there trying to do it, to make it five straight at Ashland. So, it's listen, it's a tough place to play. They always have a talented team. They got Derek Koch back. They got Aaron Thompson back. They got Haraway. They got good players. We have good players. You know they're probably six seven deep. You probably look at us right now, and you could say you know we're six six seven deep until these mm-hmm. younger guys kind of prove prove that they can handle a little bit more, which is okay. You know and they will. So it's going to be a good challenge. It's going to be a physical game. That's just who it is, what it is. We're going to get a bad whistle. Happens every time you're there. Expect it, and you got to play through it. So they're going to be challenging games. And, uh, you know, defensive rebound is really going to go a long way.
1: You know, when you go two years ago, those games at Ashland were huge because I remember that game in the regular season at Cates Gymnasium. It was the end of a five-game road trip. You guys had lost four in a row. It seemed like, you know, if you lose that game at Ashland, you probably just pack the season away, no chance to make the GLIAC tournament. Right. I think you guys were down by, like, 25 at halftime. Only scored 18 points in the first half, and you kind of like it felt like that second half was just going to be a swan song. You guys know. came out that new lit fire. Remember Zach West got a technical foul going into the break, but came out played awesome. You guys wanted to come back, winning that game, and you beat them as the seven seed in the G tournament just two three weeks later. Go on that incredible run to the NCAA tournament. So that's probably something that also sticks out for you guys as part of this
0: three game road trip win. That I mean, those were two huge wins for this program where you are as a coach. No question, and and the, I'll never forget that win. I mean. Coach Wallace gave one of the better speeches that I've heard for a long time. He got emotional locker room with the guys, and you know, because he was a great player at Central Michigan, and he's just like, guys, you don't know what I'd give to be in your shoes. You know, I mean, you got to give it everything you got, and that's the only thing that we could do. It wasn't There was no adjustments we needed to make. We just needed to play harder and play together, and they did. They came out. We only had 18 points at the half, and we came out, and we won that game, and that was an unbelievable win for us. And then to turn around, go right back there at their place and win, you know, and then last year, you know, we got we got another win over there, and then um, got to beat them in the in the Gleak tournament here uh, in the first round. So, God, I mean, I think we've beat them four or the last five times. So, I mean, you, they're gonna be hungry now. They are yeah. hungry. They do not like it. Ashland and Grand Valley. You know, they all kind we got this little kind of a rivalry thing going in football and women's basketball, especially, mm-hmm. and now so on the men's side too. And and they're not going to be happy about it. And Coach Allenwood, he does a good job, and he's recruited some good high school players, and he's got a good transfer in this year from FIU, and I think it's going to be a really challenging weekend for us.
1: Real quick, just because you mentioned Coach Wallace, I think you guys have such a good yin and yang. You talk about how you come from the different paths. He was this big star player, played overseas in Argentina, was outstanding basketball player. You come from the manager role, but you guys still have different, but, equal relationships with the players. Talk a little bit before we go about the dynamic between you and Coach Wallace mixed in with Coach Wesley and kinda of how that's really shaped to help build what you guys have now.
0: Yeah, well you know, he's a central guy and a western guy, so Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean it doesn't really work, but man, we, we, we do balance each other out really well. You know, he's he's a little older and he's got the pro career and he's married with a son and you know, he's got the strong academic background and I feel like I have a little more of the recruiting background and and uh, the more the higher level Division One, but you know he played at the Division One, and the, but I've been at the lower level. We just there's so many things that like if he hasn't done it, I have. If I haven't done it, he has, and we really balance each other out. And it's kind of fun too because sometimes the guys will come at come at me and then come at him, and we just kind of reinforce exactly what the other two say. And then sometimes we'll just sit all three of us together and like, all right, go ahead, take your chance. You're not gonna get through both. You're not gonna get through both of us. All right, you can try. You know, Gojai should be playing more. Right, good luck. You know, all that kind of stuff. So. It's been really fun to learn from him and work with him. And um, the fact that, you know, we've been now together with Coach Wesley for five years, I I didn't think it was going to happen. I didn't think so. You told me that five years, I probably didn't think we'd all three be together this long. And, And to have the success that we've had has been great. And we're not done. We're not done. And we're, we're on the right path, and we're going the right direction. Really excited to see where the season goes.
1: Yeah, it's wild for me to think back to those Ashland games and how that kind of was a pendulum swing and how much this program has risen since the second half of that Ashland game. is awesome to watch, and as you said, it's still on the way up. But we're looking forward to this weekend, Coach. Best of luck down in Ashland. I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon. But until then, best of luck the rest of the way. Thanks for your time. No, appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Taylor. That interview with Taylor Johnson was brought to you by Coors Light, reminding you to drink responsibly. Coors Light distributed locally by Alliance Beverage. The Anchor Up podcast is also brought to you in part by Homewood Suites Grand Rapids. Enjoy all the comforts of home at the only extended stay hotel in downtown Grand Rapids. Also brought to you by Uccellos, where great food and sports come together. By DTE Energy, Know Your Own Power, and Mervine Beverage Drink responsibly you know those great conversations with coach johnson just to go back to that ending that we talked to him about there about him jr wallace rick wesley what a brain trust that is have three very different experiences right because both rick and taylor come from the manager route but rick's a little bit older than taylor so a little bit of a different perspective in that route then you have the big d1 player in jr wallace what an absolute wealth of resources for this team to get to rely on in every single situation that they might come into well
2: they you know rick's been around for so long he's been at He's been at Iowa State, Lamar, uh, Missouri State. And, you know, a wealth of experience. His his pipeline of coaches that he knows, and he can use those resources. You have Taylor Johnson from K- the Kalamazoo area. Came up, he you was know, a manager. Jared Wallace from Muskegon, goes to Central Michigan. Plays in the NCAA tournament. They actually win a game. They beat Creighton and lost to Duke in the second round. Um, an outstanding team. And so you have you know, wide range of of experiences and personalities, and they all really fit well together, and that's what you need. You need that continuity in your coaching staff, and you need that continuity in your team
1: to uh, be effective. No question. Let's get to some segments here. Our teams of the week are presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Here for you now, more than ever, confidence comes with every card. And this week's team of the week is swimming and diving as they get underway this weekend. Findlay is coming to town. To get things started in the GVSU Fieldhouse pool, we're excited. You can watch the swimming event starting at 1 p.m. The diving event starting at 10:30 a.m. Both separate screens streams on the Grand Valley Sports Network this weekend. Two of four events that are being streamed on Saturday. We're really looking forward to it, but as swimming and diving gets back underway, you know, you remember they were in the NCAA championships when things got shut down. They'd already had a day. They had a national champion in the diving board. Looks like things were going to really go their way. They had a great team last year, and then of course it all got shut down. So excited to see them swim for the first time since they jumped in the pool on that Wednesday of the NCAA tournament. They are our team of the week, presented by Blue cross blue shield did you have something there well, you're you are know, pointing to your it, notes
2: uh, yeah it's, it's funny that we don't even talk before the show and you come up that's teamy week and that's going to be my uh, moment so uh it, it we're, we're just excited for those kids to get back into it um you know they, they put so much time uh in terms of you know they couldn't they couldn't be in the water because of all the orders mm-hmm. and so you're doing dry land at, you know uh, for a lot of those kids that's the longest they haven't been in a pool in their entire life. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, for, for all of them. I mean, in terms of because that's a daily regimen. I mean, you, you swim every day. I, it doesn't matter. I mean, And I'll tell you, you what, you you like, you think
1: running goes away from you. You think getting on the bike goes away from you. Not quite the same as the endurance as, that you need to swim.
2: Oh, my gosh. It's, a, you know, when I worked with swimming, I was working at the University of Florida. I mean, that's a twice a day for an hour and a half mm-hmm. in the pool. Six hours in the pool. Every day for those kids in the morning and in the afternoon, that does include the dry land lifting aspect of it as well. So excited for them to get back in the in, in the water. We have an outstanding team. Uh, so. Uh, Just excited for them to get back at it. And then we have track and field as as well.
1: Yep, that moment that Tim's talked about brought to you by the Randy Catterberg Agency, the team of the week brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield. And the Lakers spotlight, of course, it's going to be on the track and field teams getting things back rolling with the Bob Eubanks Open this weekend. The Lakers had to move some things around due to some ordinances and when the Michigan rules would change. So they moved it from Friday to Saturday. What a job by Jerry Baltus and his entire staff to get things set up so they can host two teams, their kids can compete, and indoor this weekend and they can get back to playing as soon or back to competing as soon as possible so they'll have the field events at 1 p.m. they'll have all the track and field events or track events starting at 2 p.m. Yeah. and they're gonna be able to do everybody involved and get a couple of schools out here so they can compete and then next week another big event so just hats off to what they've been able to do to get some some meets organized in january because we always talk about it even the course of a regular season how impressive it is to put together a track meet yeah right and you see yes. all that goes into it with the different aspects the different schools you're not just dealing with a conference you're not just dealing with division two they deal with naia they deal with division three they deal with everybody in the area division one whoever can get here and the way that they're able to work together and pull that off is super impressive
2: yeah and you know there's so much that uh Goes into that towards qualifying for nationals, which is going to be a lot different this year. I mean, and right. swimming and diving is going to be a lot different. And um, in, in, in track and field, qual- they're taking less, and you have to qualify on time. And so now, you know, bringing less teams in, you you, you qualify based on who you're running against to run faster, to right. swim faster. The 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 person next to you will help improve your time, and uh, so you know it's going to be an adjustment. You know that. Uh, in a lot of ways, it's going to be the team competing against your teammates yep. that are really going to propel you to possibly get hitting that qualifying time
1: and I think or that it's, throw. It's extremely helpful for Grand Valley to have the Kelly right. Family Sports Center on campus here. It makes things a little easier in terms of training and practice. You don't have to go find a. a Venue right. that has an indoor track that allows you to train with all the protocols because all the protocols are in place on campus exactly. and you have that training facility yep. right here. Yep. So that's a big resource for the Lakers as well to take advantage of it as best they can to try to make another deep postseason run as those track and field teams often do. And you know, we've talked about it a little bit, but you look at what's going on in the basketball as well. Remember, the regional's been shrunk from eight to six on both sides so last year you talked about the laker men's team who felt like they probably should have been one of the top eight and they were Mm -hmm. shockingly left off that magnifies not only is it a shortened schedule but every game becomes more and more important now because there are three conferences they're going to get an automatic bid that's half the field field. right there already put in there so if you don't win that automatic bid you've got to be really really good to get one of those last three spots so you know everything is magnified and intensified right away as things get going here so there's no room for error.
2: No, there's not and that's why last week was so huge holding serve at home for the mm-hmm. men to win two games which it's going to be difficult. We, we 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 talked about it to win back-to-back games against the same team. I don't care if how good you are or how bad the opponent is you're playing. It's tough to beat somebody back-to-back nights um you know at, 24 hours at later at home. I mean it's you know it's a it's a different it's a different animal and and what you're preparing for. You haven't done it. and it, So you're going to see – I was really interested in, in looking at the scores from the first night, the team that won, the second night. Michigan Tech wins by nine at – at. Uh,
1: well, they hosted uh, Purdue Northwest. They, yeah, host
2: won by nine. Next game, they – Lost by 20. Lost by 24. Yeah. So, I mean, it was – you know, that's just – That's, that's the gonna way happen. it's going to go. Absolutely. And you,
1: I talked to Coach Williams about this too, because in that fourth quarter on Saturday, the second game – of their games against Saginaw. They went 1 of 11 from the field. Saginaw went 1 of 14. So I asked him, how much of that is tired legs? How much of that is you guys just know each other so well? How much of that is just eight straight quarters playing the same opponent? And he goes, you know, it's probably a combination of all yeah, three. Right. How much yeah. stuff in a basketball game, right? Like, it, you, you've equated this to hockey a lot, and I like that comparison because of the play. But hockey is so much more of a free flow. Of course there are set plays, but there's so much more of a free flow and line changes and mm-hmm. things that look different for your team versus with basketball for the most part there's about seven or eight players that see a predominance of the floor you see those seven same seven or eight players in the same kind of sets and they run the same stuff so when you've seen it seven quarters in a row you know by the time the eighth quarter rolls around you should have a pretty good beat on oh they're setting that high ball screen they're probably going to roll off of this let me cut inside the lane let me block this off so it's going to get really hard to come up with some creative ways to score and keep that offense going but that's what you got to deal with this year, and the team on the other side is as well. And I think we are going to see, you know, you mentioned that Michigan Tech one that went the other way. I think we're going to see a lot tighter games in those second yeah, games for the yeah. most part than the first games because both teams know each other so well, a little bit more tired, a little less of the, the burst of acceleration perhaps on the offensive end, a little more crispness there on the defensive end, so who knows. But it, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. It,
2: it, it's, you're going to have different, you know, each game is, a, you know, each each. Each quarter on the women's side is going to be it's going to be different as you, as you like you said you move forward because you you're so used to and you're so in tune with what the, what the other team is doing and you know in the past you'd have a, you'd play a different opponent than the next game so you, you spend the majority of the, early in the week spending it on game one and then boom after that game's over you move on to, to a different set you know a, a different right you're doing film on yeah, a whole new team with a whole new look you're not new players you're not so it, it, a lot of uh, a lot of cat and mouse games and we'll, we'll see how it plays out.
1: Yep, well, let's give you the schedule one more time here this coming weekend. The men's basketball team gets everything started on Friday. They're on the road at 4 p.m. taking on the Ashland Eagles at Cates Gymnasium. For all the coverage links, visit gbsulakers.com and the men's basketball schedule page. At GVSU basketball on social media. We'll have all the live updates as well as those coverage links to how you can watch and hear those games live from Ashland, Ohio. And then on Saturday's the big one, Grand Valley State hosting three events plus men's basketball on the road at Ashland. It all starts at 10:30 in the morning when swimming and diving hosts the diving portion of their contest against Finley. You can watch that on the Grand Valley Sports Network. Go to watchGVSN.com or the WatchGVSN app. The swimming and the diving events will be on separately. So the dive The diving stream begins at 10.30, the swimming stream begins at 1 p.m. That's the same time that we open up the streams of track and field. And keep an eye out if you're looking for some track and field events, because right now we're toying around with the idea of getting separate field streams out there as well. So make sure you're paying attention to which stream you're clicking on when you go into the Grand Valley Sports Network app, and make sure you select the right one if you're going to watch a particular field event. Then track will get going at 2 p.m. as well as they get the running started on the main stream. And then, of course, women's basketball at home for the first time in 2021. They take on the Ashland Eagles. That'll be a big one. Tom Cleary and company have that broadcast for you on the Grand Valley Sports Network. Tip-off is at 1 p.m. Coverage begins at 12.50 with the GVSU basketball tip-off show. Of course, you can still purchase a GVSU women's basketball season pass for $80 to watch all nine home basketball games on the women's side so a lot going on this weekend boy are we excited to bring all that to you we had fun with the opening weekend a little bit of an appetizer with just two home games and two road games now the big boys come as we've got a whole slew of events coming from the campus but hey that's what we love to do
2: that's you know that's that's why we do what we do and uh we're excited about it and and uh from from here on out It's going to be Katie bar the door because uh, we're going to have lots of events and and spend a lot of time
1: in the arena. That's right. As much as we love talking to you folks who listen to the Anchor Up podcast, we got to get back to work. A lot to get ready for this weekend, and we hope you'll be following along at GVSU Lakers and all those other accounts for the individual sports as we get going. We'll talk to you this weekend with more live events back next week to recap it all for you. But until then, this is Jake Libby for Tim Notts, and so long on the Anchor Up podcast. Have a great week, everybody. Uh